from Car Rigs and Ingram, this is It Figures, the CRI podcast, an accounting, advisory, and industry-focused podcast for business and organization leaders, entrepreneurs, and anyone who is looking to go beyond the status quo. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the It Figures podcast. Today, we're here with Joy Hodgson, the COO of CRI TPA Services, and we're going to be discussing the Secure 2.0 Act of 2022. This was passed on December 29th by Congress and the President and contains over 90 provisions related to retirement accounts that impact both individuals and businesses. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about some of the biggest changes that impact businesses and, and those that sponsor retirement plans. So the headline for this bill, I think, has been automatic enrollment is going to be mandated. Uh, would you agree? Yes, that's, to me, from a business owner's perspective, the mandatory what we call automatic enrollment features are now mandatory. So any new plan, new 401k plan that is set up after the enactment of this bill, which was in December, so any plan starting now 2023 or after, will have to have an automatic enrollment feature. So for those of you who may not know, automatic enrollment is the method by which uh, eligible employees will be automatically put into the 401k plan unless they opt out. So historically, 401k plans have operated that it's a voluntary action by the employee to be in the plan. And if they don't sign up, they're not in the plan. Well, now automatic enrollment means the default position is everyone who is eligible will be automatically enrolled at a minimum of 3% unless they opt out. So the employee still has the ability to opt out and not participate, but the default is now going to be that you are enrolled. Starts at 3%, and it will have what's called an auto-escalation feature where each year after the first year, you're auto enrollment will increase by 1% and it goes thereafter up until 10%. And so this will be a significant shift in how qualified plans, specifically plans 403B, 401k plans that allow elective deferrals will be handled from an eligibility and enrollment perspective. And when do those automatic, when does the mandatory automatic enrollment begin? Is that now or is it? So. Any new plan that was established after 12 December 29th, 2022, must implement those provisions by January 1 of 2025. So anyone setting up a plan now, 2023, you can run without automatic enrollment. But at this point, any new plan has got to turn that feature on no later than January 1 of 2025. And so part of what uh, our discussions are in setting up new plans now is do you want to turn that feature on now immediately or wait until you absolutely have to turn it on? There is still a lot of guidance and treasury regs that need to come out as to how this is going to affect other aspects of a plan. For example, non-discrimination testing, um, the headcount for the 5,500 and whether you need an audit. So there are many things that this this particular change is going to drastically change how 401k plans operate. This is a big, a big change. So with this big of a change, 
there seems to be a chance that employers can mess up and miss enrolling participants and individuals. Are there any, is there any relief given for that if I miss, make, fail to enroll somebody? Yes, so under the, uh, what, what's called the EPCRS program, an employee compliance resolution program, they have a default correction method that says as long as you get the employee's election implemented within nine and a half months after the close of the plan year they were first eligible, there's no corrective contribution that has to be made. So from that perspective, I think there's, there's going to be a sort of a grace period for new businesses who are kind of getting these provisions rolled out, getting their processes and their procedures figured out without penalty. But that being said, you know, there's, there are things you can uh, do to design your plan maybe to avoid this. For example, do you just say everybody's in, eligible their first day of hire and we're going to sign you up and you're going to have 3% unless you sign out of it? then you don't have to worry about keeping track of when someone's eligible. You can exclude them from the match for the first year. Um, so that may be one way to help employers avoid the, the missing people is just let them in from the day one and have them be eligible. Another big piece of the, especially the first SECURE Act that passed in 2019 was the inclusion of what are called long-term part-time employees. So those individuals that may have been working with you for several years but don't work a thousand hours that are maybe needed to enter the retirement plan. So this has made another change to those rules. Can you explain what those are? Sure. I think this is another example of Congress, the legislature, wanting to expand the group of people that are covered by employer workplace retirement plans. They're wanting to make it more broad and less restrictive on who can participate and save for retirement. And this is a prime example. So they have this new classification in the retirement plan space called a long-time part-time employee. And this initially when it was passed through Secure 1.0, which was in 2019, it basically said anyone who works for an employer for three years, three consecutive years with 500 hours, must be allowed to make elective deferral contributions. In other words, they have to be eligible for the plan. You let them decide if they want to sign up. You do not have to provide a match to those individuals, but you have to let them make elective deferrals. What happened with 2.0 is they shortened the window, and now they say no, now long-term part-time employees are those who work two consecutive years with 500 hours or more. You have to let them participate. So there are going to be certain industries that are going to be heavily impacted by this provision, and I'm thinking of hospitality industries, restaurants, hotels, um, any industry that is heavily served by part-time employees consistently, they're going to have to watch out for this role because they're now going to have to add these individuals to their enrollment procedures and let them sign up for the plan if they want. What isn't clear right now in the regulations is if these individuals now are going to be subject to the auto-enrollment feature that we previously were discussed. 
So if you've got a bunch of part-time people, are they now have to be automatically enrolled? We don't know at this point. We're waiting on the guidance for some of these things. So again, I think this is a major um, provision that won't affect every industry, but it's going to heavily affect some in industries. And so we're again waiting for guidance because the provision kicks in January 1 of 2024. So we need guidance from the IRS in the next um, six to nine months as to how they want this to look like. Exactly. And I think it's important to point out that we're still waiting on guidance on certain things from Secure 1.0 that passed in 2019. And <clears throat> we're expecting guidance real fast on Secure 2.0. So hopefully they, the IRS does turn things around pretty quick. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of wait and see, and we're not sure. We're just not sure how some of these features are going to look. So with over 90 provisions, there's, there are, is more to cover than what we can cover in a 20-minute podcast. What are some of the other major provisions that will impact businesses? Sure. Um, I think a couple that come to mind that everyone should be aware of is that they have made it much more flexible now for the employer to change um, things like their allocation after the year end. So, for example, if we've got a profit-sharing plan that starts out the year with a pro-rata allocation method, and after the year's end they want to change it and do something different, they are allowed to retroactively change the benefit formulas as long as it is an increase in benefits. They're, they do not allow you to reduce benefits, but if you want to increase benefits, they're going to allow you to do that retroactively. Uh, one of the things they did was secure 1.0 back in 2019 that I still find a lot of uh, folks don't realize is you can now retroactively adopt a profit sharing or a cash, for example, a cash balance defined benefit plan after the year's closed. Before secure 1.0 in 2019, qualified plans had to be executed, uh, meaning they had to be set up and signed by the last day of the tax year. So there's flexibility there to actually adopt a plan after year end. Um, one of the, I think one of the great provisions they changed is that if you start the year out with a simple IRA plan, you can convert to a safe harbor 401k plan mid-year. Before this act, if you had a simple IRA plan, it was the only plan you could have for the year, and you had to let it run for the entire year. Now with this change, you can actually suspend your safe harbor, your, pardon me, you can suspend your simple IRA mid-year and replace it with a safe harbor 401k plan, which I think is great because a lot of times we do find um, business owners make want to make a change mid-year, and so now they're not stuck with that. In addition, plans that have 401k, 403b elective deferrals, they are no longer going to be able to allow pre-tax catch-up contributions to individuals who are earning more than $145,000 a year. So this provision was, um, I personally thought maybe they would strike this provision, but it, it made it through all the way to the final bill. 
Um, and so if you are a plan sponsor that has a 401k or a 403b plan that does not allow Roth contributions, your individuals who are earning more than 145000 are not going to be able to make catch-up contributions unless you add the Roth feature. So again, this is back to how are we paying for some of these things that are in the bill? Well, we're paying for them with the Rothification of as much as we can essentially get get into a Roth account. That's how they're paying for the, some of these things. So as part of the, the expansion of, of flexibility and, and trying to encourage pl- companies to sponsor retirement plans, they've offered several new tax credits. Can you go into detail on some of those? Yes, in terms of businesses that are considering sponsoring a plan, setting up a new, a new plan for their company, they really have incentivized uh, small employers to set these plans up by giving them some tax credits, which are pretty generous compared to what has been available in the past. Um, so one type of tax credit is they are going to get 100% of their administrative costs associated with setting the plan up and running it for the first three years that they set it up. And so uh, up to $5,000 per year is just a straight offset tax credit. And as a reminder, these items are deductible as ordinary business expenses. However, tax credits are a direct, you know, dollar for dollar offset of the actual tax. And so you'd want to take the tax credit. But very few small retirement plans cost you more than $5,000 a year in administrative fees. And so it essentially covers the cost of the plan for the first three years. The second tax credit they've added, which I find interesting, but again, from a business owner's perspective, this is a very good thing. Um, they are going to let you take a tax credit for any employer contributions that you make up to $1,000 per employee for for five years. There's a phase out over time. It, it's not 100% for five years, but but it is a significant tax credit to help, again, cover the cost of the contributions you're making to the plan. And again, there's a lot of nuance to the detail, and it's available um without reduction for employers who have up to 50 employees. If you have between 51 and 100 employees, there's gonna be a phase out of that tax credit um, based on the number of employees you have over 50. But again, small businesses, they are trying to encourage you to set these plans up, get them running, and they're helping you by giving you these tax credits to offset some of the initial costs. There'll be a lot more guidance, a lot more articles and technical training and and things that come out over the next few months because there is a lot to unpack in this act and um, the details will come out over time but we we hope you have found this helpful and hopefully geared geared you up to talk to your clients about how this is going to affect them If you want more CRI insights or are interested in learning about our firm, please visit our website at CRICPA.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of It Figures, the CRI podcast. You can subscribe to It Figures on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. 